Welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss popular and interesting travel industry posts which appeared on LinkedIn during the last week, and occasionally we might talk about stories which appeared elsewhere. The session is being recorded, as it will be made available as a podcast afterwards, which you can find at businesstravel360.com, and we'll give you more details about that at the end of the session. We absolutely welcome audience participation, so if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. We encourage different views on stories, so don't be shy to share your take on anything we discuss here today. And remember that this is being recorded, so we're participating in to give us your permission to include what you've said in the podcast. If you are from the press, we welcome your coverage of what's being said, but please do obtain permission from whomever in this room you wish to quote. Do you think we're going to have a week where we don't talk about United and the good things they're doing? I don't think so. Scott Kirby's been doing a fantastic job. And I think just last week, you know, Anne and I were talking about this with you as well. And, you know, we were pointing out that United has really gone above and beyond. And I think they've changed their, the way people view them in the marketplace. And I think this is, again, just another checkbox, right? That, they're, that they've done something different. And I think that was Scott's initial uh, desire is to change the perception. And he's been doing it through sustainability. Now he's doing it through this partnership. I mean, he's you know gotten, I know we're going to talk about this later on, but he's one of the first, actually the first US airline to order supersonic jets. And so these are all indicators of a move forward mentality and a long-term mentality, which is exactly what United needs to do. I'm wondering from a European perspective, Rian, has this stuff I mean, do you see this in the European press and uh, are people talking about it? Are airlines in Europe looking at this kind of stuff more seriously, differently? Any indicators there? All we hear here is good news coming out from United and it it seems to be, it seems to do very well. I know that, um, is it Rudy, Rudy Horn on LinkedIn? It covers the, I think he works for United and he covers the sort of uh, Western Europe. Uh, I, I, I might be completely incorrect, but in my feed, Rudy tends to be uh, repeating those really good sessions about uh, United and I, I just don't hear bad stuff about them on this side. So, um, so that's good. Yeah. So right yep. on cue, you awesome. just mentioned uh, we're going to talk about it, but let's talk about it right now. So so now, you know, shifting, you know, following in the lead, if you want, of United. So American Airlines have announced that they're also going to invest in Boom, Supersonic. Um, and so that article uh, was straight from American Airlines. I didn't really have to quote anybody there, but they just also announced a relationship with Boom, Supersonic. And I have to say, subsequent to that, Ash, I've noticed that um, in the mainstream press, so outside of LinkedIn, um, I saw quite a few skeptical articles about this, right? So how real is it really? When will we actually see it? Is it just lip service, etc.? So I was surprised at that. I don't know where that came from. But um, I did notice that not not everybody was as excited as certainly I am. I'm sure you are about this uh, potential of supersonic travel coming up. <laughs> like any social media, there's always going to be haters, as I call it, right? So can't stop the people that are going to have negative opinions from talking. And we've done so many amazing things this past pandemic. There's been huge strides in technology, huge strides. And I mean, you know, we've been, we're shooting rockets into space on a regular basis now. And, you know, we didn't used to do that three, four, five years ago. So yes, I'll believe it when I see it. Mentality is obviously what these people are talking about, which is fine. But as somebody who's, who's in this industry, for me, this is super, super exciting. And, if it gets the needle to move forward, I'm all for it. Uh, but I don't think that they're just making this stuff up. And I don't think this is just some sort of figment of somebody's imagination. I think that they're actually 
going to uh, do this, whether they do it on the timeline that they mentioned or not. You know, and then, of course, American Airlines is buying. There's 138 orders for this aircraft now. I don't know if you do that, Rian, but this is not just a, you know, not, I know the story. Did, I did not know that yeah. number. That is phenomenal. So, you know, you have 130 plus, you know, planes already. Some of them are paid for in advance. So in the story with American Airlines, they paid for 20 non-refundable, talk about non-refundable fares, but this is non-refundable orders of 20 supersonics and an option for another 40, this oh, non-refundable deposit to boom. So I think Boom is going to deliver and, you know, Japan Airlines, I mean, this has been going on since 2017 because Japan Airlines was the first investor in Boom. And now if you look at the combined orders of America, you had it in gel, uh, it's about 130 aircraft. So uh, this is great. And, you know, I know that, you know, there's this whole thinking going back to the Concorde, right? It kind of feels very Concordish. And I think Concorde uh, was not able to deliver on the long-term picture, but you know, Concord been around for a long time and they did a really fantastic job. And so this aircraft is not going to carry 400 people or any large numbers like that. It's going to carry about 65 to 80 people. And we're talking about shortening the distance between two major cities from a business travel perspective, right? So, I, you know, the people that are going to be flying on this aircraft on a regular basis are definitely business travelers. A, a sort of excitement, a bit of uh, allure, etc. Back into the industry. We're talking, yeah, we're talking cutting the time by half, really. Yes, half. No, it's, it's phenomenal. Not 10%, 20% half. I mean, you could technically go from London to Miami in five hours, meet somebody that? for dinner, have a meeting in the morning and be home by next day in the evening. Yeah dinner at home without the jet lag martin what are your thoughts on supersonic <laughs> travel what do you think it's going to do you think it's going to it's going to pick up i think there's going to be there's certainly going to be a glamour associated with it right and, and a certain class of business traveler that, that's going to want want to have that i think that one of the key things will be for for boone to is to bring it into the market in a way that Concord, you know, had a terrible environmental record and a long-term investment record. So the cost of maintenance and keeping it going just became far too much to, to do it. But there was always a demand for the tickets. Um, and I think, I think that's probably going to, um, and then the safety issues, of course, that Concord had late on, um, put pay to it. But there's going to be a demand for it and people are going to have that, that interest. Uh, and they'll, they'll they'll pay the ticket price, right? The business traveller will pay the yeah. ticket price for if there's enough value in it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I see. I like the phrase. I see one of the uh, the press coverages coined it, uh, "Son of Concord." I'm not sure why it's the son and not the daughter of, but uh, there we go. So, oh, <laughs> look at that! Good point. <laughs> nice one. I don't know. Okay. Cool. <laughs> hey, Rian, I liked um, you know I like what Martin said actually because I thought um, the way he phrased it was really interesting but even even just the imaging coming out already about it the suggested interiors the shape the it, it's so so attractive and it's just going to be so um, exciting to see those planes can you imagine spotting those planes at the airports and seeing them take off I mean, oh there's going to be tons yeah. of i mean the young kids are going to be all over it yeah no, <laughs> fantastic okay the challenge the challenge week in the airports match the experience <laughs> Sticking with airlines, we then talked about uh, Southwest Airlines. I see Max um, posted about this, Max Andorf, uh, just about a new business portal that they've rolled out directly to their to their corporate clients. But I do believe, in reading into it in a bit more detail, that there is a there's space there for collaboration with the corporates TMC as well. I don't know if I misread that or whether you know more about that story, Ash. I think it's going to be very similar to the others, Rian, you know, the idea here is that you keep the agency involved from a 
you know, from a picture perspective uh, and at least make the travel manager feel comfortable. And by saying, yeah, your agency has access and they can look at this data and that kind of thing. But what is the real value to an agency? Because the agency wants to be able to showcase the fact that they have all data from all airlines. Uh, and so a lot of the reporting that comes from TMCs includes not just a single airline, but all airlines in one simple view. TMC is not going to get excited about it unless it brings some additional content that they can then bring into their existing uh, Power BI products uh, so that they're servicing with, you know, that they're showing the customer. So this is, I think, mostly for airlines. And I think the play here, which has been the play for a long time, Delta started this, uh, I want to go back to 2015, 2016, by enhancing their reporting product. Then all the other airlines started to follow. Uh, they were kind of the leaders of enhanced data. Uh, and so I think this is speaking to that need. The whole thing here is increase market share, move to direct bookings. And so this is playing in that conversation. Yeah, it, it sounds like you know it was it was well received. Um, you know, good stories about it. People commenting very positively about it. So, um, yeah, they're doing the right thing there. So, so there we go. And uh, and the, the other thing I want to add, you know, I mean, we talked about United Airlines earlier, and we were talking about how amazing they were doing. You know, Southwest is not that far behind. I know uh, in the European market they're not very well known, but I've promised you all that one day you will see a Southwest Airlines plane land in the European markets on a regular basis. It's just a matter of time. Uh, but Southwest has also been doing this this for a long time now, and they've been working towards bridging the gap, making the airline savvier. You know, they just recently launched the the credits don't expire, right? So unused tickets, no expiration dates, and so they're doing a lot more of this stuff. And kudos to them as well because they're really trying to reach out and uh, and showcase the fact that they are an airline that wants to be around for a long time. And they also want to create a difference in the marketplace and make things better. So this is, again, just another checkbox for them. And Dave Harvey, since he came to Southwest, or actually he's been there for a long time, but ever since Dave Harvey uh, has been in the in the leadership role uh, at Southwest uh, for business, he's been really, really pushing hard because now they're available in all the GDSs. Uh, direct, uh, you don't need to direct connect with them anymore like you used to. So easy access is there. All the content is there. Uh, so he's been doing a spectacular job as well. Maybe he'll be the CEO one day. I look forward to seeing a Southwest Airlines uh, plane land in Europe one day. I've, again, just heard good things, never flown them, but um, that, should be, that should be good. Um, How do you feel about not having a seat assignment? Does that intrigue you? Because that's really one of the greatest value. That would make me a bit nervous, I have to say. <laughs> you look at your boarding pass, there's no uh, number. You're like, oh my Ooh, God, what am I doing? That's certainly doing a different... <laughs> Wow. Okay. Even I mean, even even the European low costers give you that. So yes, I have to say that is a bit strange. Seeing some more familiar faces there, Ksenia, welcome. Thank you for joining us as well. I then posted about some good uh, signs of confidence in, especially business-to-business travel tech, with the announcement of a hundred million euro fund that was created specifically to invest in this field. Um, Bernard Lynch uh, brought us that story, um, and it was posted on uh, Focuswire. But it's a really, really good um, sign of confidence. You know, in the article covers it very well, and it talks about a lot of optimism in this field. So that's why I included it in the story because it's it's good to hear about um, an, an optimistic view on the investment in B two B travel and travel tech specifically. So um, did the story make any waves on on that side of the pond, Ash? Or 
No, uh, not that much talk about it. There's obviously a lot more, a lot more investment going on to travel, right? So we see tons of activity on the travel front. So this is just again, it just feels like, yeah, you know, travel is uh, is returning, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna see some amazing things. So yeah, I mean, the tech is certainly in need. I mean, I, there's not a single agent I speak to today who tells me they're overwhelmed by the volume of business. They need more tech to help them, and so yeah, I, I can see why that optimism exists because travel is. Um, Certainly, back with a vengeance, and it's um, it's busy. So, uh, so that was good news. That I, I saw that. That was the list of my posts for my personal Friday. Um, over the weekend, there may be one or two extra stories which I picked up on. But before I do, Ash, was there any extra stories from your side? There was the news of IAG, you know, taking twenty percent share with Air, Air Europa. Did that make any headlines in, in the European market at all? Not much at all. I have to say it was uh, very okay. low-key, surprisingly so, because I do think it's a fairly significant story. Um, yeah, I agree. I didn't see, I don't know whether Martin or anybody else in the audience saw that and had a comment on it, but I, I it, it was very low-key on the site. Maybe intentionally. But IEG, it's becoming a very, very dominant organization. And, you know, they did the $1 billion um, original acquisition of Air Europa, but, you know, the pandemic happened, so... It didn't really quite work out, yeah. but now they've converted their loan to a 20% stake yeah, that sure. they had in that. Well, I, I do think the, the clue is in the name, right? Um, International Airlines Group. I, I don't think they, yeah. they're hiding their intentions there. So, um, yeah. But yeah, the story didn't really do much. George, uh, welcome. First time on, I'm on this show, and it sounds very exciting. After COVID, I see a lot of changes in the industry happening, happening very rapidly. And the LCCs have, I think, won the game for now, at least for now is what my comment is. I'm not sure what you guys feel. So my question is, is that a trend for long term where, you know, the full service carriers are going to take a backseat? Well, first of all, I'm not sure I agree with the statement that the LCCs have won. They've certainly survived better than the others. Let's put it that way. There are some great traditional carrier stories, especially in places like Africa, which is phenomenal. I mean, Ethiopian Airlines and the way they, you know, undertook a change in um, their cargo, you know, adoption and how they made a massive profit during this time, um, the Middle Eastern carriers and their growth, look at the success of Qatar. So those guys have done exceptionally well. If I were to rephrase that, George, I think the airlines who were able to react without the traditional constraints of, you know, the traditional way of working and thinking and, you know, just the non-sort of traditional way of working, those are the ones who survived. Uh, the best, absolutely, because if you look at some of the bigger European carriers and who had to go cap in hand for handouts and all that stuff, uh, the ones who could react quickly were the ones who did well. And that includes the low cost because they are not limited by that type of thinking. So that's my initial reaction to it. So I agree with you, but I also think that it goes a bit further than just the RCCs. But uh, Rian, you know, one of the things that's happened, you know, to your point is that the LCCs, like you say, have survived better, but I think they're going to come back stronger as well. So I'll use the example of Porter Airlines. You know, they're flying to New York and other cities, uh, you know, and they have only had prop planes um, as part of their uh, their fleet. And during the pandemic, uh, they completely shut down. Pandemic started in March, maybe April or May. They, they closed, they shut the airline down and they just reopened recently. So they, they had very little cost from an operational perspective. And I think that if you were not an LCC 
or you are a major airline, you just don't have that luxury to say, I'm going to stop traveling. Um, and because Porter was able to stop flying, I think they were able to take the losses that they would have had and instead they invested in new jet aircraft. And now they're coming back stronger than they were before. So, you know, they're going to have more destinations and all these kind of things. So, you know, to George's point, I think that, you know, there is this, um, uh, this view that the LCCs, you know, definitely did do better. They are going to come back stronger uh, than all the other major airlines. And I think that we're going to see that. It's a good one, Ash. Uh, see, I think it's very important to look at the business model of an airline because if you look at the way traditionally fares are filed and the way it goes to travel agents and the way they distribute it, you have the whole PSS, GDS, loyalty program, you, you have it. I mean, there's no end to costs. So yeah. I would say going, going from A to B, the customer doesn't need any of those costs. The customer needs a plane, like Ash said, go from, let's say, Toronto to Vancouver and come back safely. It's a, it's a 777 or a A320 or a, or a A737, doesn't matter. My, my point is we need to discuss business models in more detail because that's where the clue lies in the profitability of aviation industry in the future. Because people are not willing to invest further into full service carriers. Governments are putting pressure, I think. And I don't want to comment on any individual airline because all the airlines you mentioned in this, in this last five minutes, most of them are my clients in some way or the other. So I don't want to talk about them. But I think like uh, Riyan mentioned rightly, those people who reacted quickly and they had the resources, they they they, they made some headway. The rest, like uh, Ash said, Porter closed down and they came back. Yeah. But the chances of an LCC coming back are much higher than a lifting a full service carrier. It's heavy lifting. You need millions and millions of dollars to, to lift. In a, and if you look at the last uh, one year, 90 airlines have come up, come up all over the world and many of them are likely to do LCC model. But what I mean is the business model is very simple. Website, Web fares, direct booking, no travel agents. And if travel agents are there, they get the booking tool to book as simple as that. And isn't that what um, what part of NDC is all about, right? Is to, uh, you know, it, I know there's a content element, but there's also this desire to change the distribution costs. And so, you know, we see all of this playing out through that as well. And in every, any, any place that an airline can you know, take some action in terms of lowering their distribution costs and, and having more direct bookings. That's kind of what everybody's focused on. Even, you know, you look at the United uh, partnership with Air Canada now saying, hey, you know, we have all this relationships and you look at Southwest doing the, the, the new portal. I mean, all of these little pieces all point towards one common topic, which is that more direct bookings, uh, more, uh, you know, less cons- uh, distribution costs, and all of this uh, is, you know, in favor of profitability for an airline. That's a very big discussion for another day, Osh, because I, I do, I, I mean, I commented this morning on a on a post by Omri from from Atris, where we were celebrating the fact that British Airways has now launched a direct toll-free number for the trade to call to help them deal with NDC bookings. And that is very, very wrong. The fact that we are celebrating, you know, a, a phone number being made available and British Airways marketing yeah. that as uplifting or, you know, embracing the, you know, taking it to the next level, all that stuff. That's just, that's just very poorly managed in my view. So uh, you get that. Why don't they just right? publish, why don't they just publish all their routes and push out a, a, a paper copy of the book? There we go. So, George, then we can come much. full circle. <laughs> uh, 
George, thank you very much for participating. If you enjoy our session, do join us. We do this every week, and um, it would be nice to see sure. you here again. So um, thank you for, for, for chipping in today. That's uh, very nice of you. No, no, welcome. I enjoyed a lot of pearls of wisdom I got in the first 25 minutes. Thank you so much, guys. Brilliant. So thank you very much, uh, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, George and Martin, for getting on stage. Um, my name is Rian. I'm the CEO at Agentivity, where we help agents gain insight, control, and growth with their data. And um, we do this every week. So join us again next week, where we cover the, this week's stories. Um, Ash, thank you very much to, your, to, to you for joining us. And uh, can you can you close us out, please? Thank you very much. Yes, uh, definitely. And uh, please do share this event with everybody you know to help grow this weekly session. And for those who cannot make it because of time zone and availability, this session is available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. You can subscribe to the podcast by searching Business Travel 360 on Apple, Google, Pandora, Spotify, or iHeart. And thank you all for joining.